Welcome to Loading the Bar with physical training experts Parker McBride and Matt Wasco. Our Fit Lifestyle podcast covers the science of nutrition and fitness, together with the challenges we all face to be disciplined. We'll guide you through the minefields of fads and gimmicks and all manner of BS that tempt us in today's fitness world. Ready to begin? Then let's start loading the bar. Welcome back, everybody, to the Loading the Bar podcast. Parker McBride here, joined, as always, by Matt Wasco. How's it going today, Matt? It's good. It's good. I was a little surprised by the weather this morning. Me too. I checked my phone, and it said it was 12 degrees. Yeah. I got up this morning, and I'm like, is the furnace broken again? <laughs> yeah. Downstairs, and like, no, it's running, but it's 12 degrees out. So that's why when I got out the bed this morning, I was like a little surprised about but I was thinking it was going to be high 20s, low 30s. And so I apparently have not been keeping up on the weather. The other part of this is, is that we're a week after the Super Bowl mm-hmm. and we got the results. So what are your thoughts on that Super Bowl? Well, I think, honestly, the Chiefs, they kind of surprised me. Well, I wouldn't say surprised me. Um, they did worse at the beginning than I thought. Yes. I did not think they'd get out to that big of a gap they were down 10 i think um at one point almost at halftime and it didn't look good no um i thought they were gonna they were gonna roll i thought the 49ers would be easier than the ravens but then i mean i think you just saw in the second half what a a veteran quarterback um stud quarterback like mahomes and a veteran coach like andy Reid, and just a team that's been there and done that before you saw that experience prevail and Honestly, as it came down to the end, it was really close and really nerve-wracking, but you kind of just knew that Mahomes would find a way to get it done, and they did. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember the last podcast, but I, one of the things I said, I th- really felt like 49ers were going to come out and just take, you know, lay the wood on them, and they did. They did. They, they yeah. did. They came in. Offensively, they looked good. Defensively, they looked good. Um, we're probably, the way they were humming, we're probably lucky we were only down by 10. And, um, but I, I was, I predicted they'd be ahead and, but I thought chiefs are going to come out and their experience is going to take over. Cause you know, in sports, a lot of times you come out with high energy and mm-hmm. you're able to maintain that up front for a while, but it's hard to maintain that, that super high, uh, emotion and energy for four quarters. Yeah. It's a, it's a yeah, rare fifth thing. quarter. To, yeah, in the Super Bowl. yeah, almost fifth the whole quarter, extra yeah. quarter. So I think the mistake, and if you want to call it a mistake, because the Chiefs' defense was fantastic. Um, you know, they just stayed consistent. You know, and kept the pressure on them. But you don't leave Mahomes with a chance to win the game. Yeah, you cannot allow him to be within a touchdown at the end of a game. It's just like Brady used to be. Yeah, you just it, and and I knew. Once the game was tight, I said, I felt fairly confident that Mahomes was going to find a way, yeah. you know, because, or, or, you know, it would have to be a situation where he either really flubbed up or um, we turned the ball over somehow. Yeah. But you don't want to allow him to have a chance to win the game. And <laughs> number two, man, or two in a row. Two in a row, yeah. yeah. So the Chiefs are – Back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Now we'll we'll enjoy the offseason, and we'll see if they can 
go back and do it for a third time in a row next year. Yeah. I depends on their off season moves. You know, if they can like retain Chris Jones, there's been a debate, you know, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting the defensive back. That's, that's really good. What's his name? Uh, Legereus Sneed. Sneed. That's it. So Sneed and Chris Jones, like who's more valuable. Yeah. And there's been, I've on the news that people are, you know, the experts are leaning towards Chris Jones amongst everyone I talk to. Everyone wants Sneed because he's younger. We'll have to see what they, what they decide. Yeah. So, yeah. So today we have um, an interesting topic for you guys. We want to talk a little bit about, um, resistance training versus, uh, cardiovascular training. And, um, I'll just preface kind of by saying both, we believe both are, are very important and both have their roles. Um, but kind of talk about the, the benefits of both, um, and the different, uh, categories and different types of training that consist right. in both of those. So I would say, um, we both feel very strongly that resistance training is a must in Absolutely. any exercise routine. Yeah. And why don't you go into a little bit more about why that is Matt? Well, I believe in transforming the body and you know, there is a scientific fact that more muscle mass equals longer life. We've touched this a million times. So with that underlying base, it's an, I think it's important that you have resistance training as a major component of your, the type of modality of training that you use. So I'm always going to lead with uh, resistance training and have cardio as a support. Now that's also based on my goals, right? If I was a runner and at one time I was, you know, carrying a lot of mass is not an ideal strategy, especially if I want to compete. Uh, and I was a runner. And so because I was a runner, I didn't lift like I do now, but I was much younger. And, you know, I ran from the time I was in high school until my mid thirties and lifting was just a side component to what I did. And I didn't lift like I do now. So for me to compete and run six minute miles for, you know, five to six miles, I wouldn't be able to have the mass that I have now. I weighed like 155, 165 pounds when I was running. And so, but I had a different focus, a different goal, right? Now, as I'm getting an older age, I really focused on adding mass because I want to, I want to live longer and have, be able to, to do things in my older age. So it's a change of focus. When you were running that much, were you lifting weights? Were you doing resistance training? I was doing some, yes. Yeah, but it, it was not my focus. And it would yeah. maybe be twice a week. And, you know, with not the intensity that I have now. So it sounds like what you're saying is that both need to exist in all exercise routines, but it kind of is goal-dependent based on what yeah, happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I would agree with you wholeheartedly that about uh, longevity, the longevity aspect to gaining muscle mass is extremely important. So there's data that shows um, as we age, especially once you hit like 40 and after, your muscle mass begins going down um, just naturally in your body. Right. As you age, you lose that muscle mass. And so you have to fight to keep that muscle mass or else once you get down to where you lose a certain amount of strength, 
you have trouble with mobility, you have trouble getting around doing the things that you need to do every day to survive. I mean, everyone's seen the the older people that as they age, they lose the ability to move their body essentially. And that is because um, an atrophy of muscle mass. They have lost muscle mass little by little over time and it's degraded down to nothing. So the more you can have to start with, the longer you're going to be able to survive that degrading is essentially the concept behind muscle mass, more muscle mass equals more longevity. Yes. Whenever set. But there's also, um, there's also too much, like let's think about, okay, if, if we're saying muscle mass equals longevity, then we would tell everybody to just go be bodybuilders. Right. Why don't we do that? Well, because bodybuilding is a, it's kind of a different type of training that takes a lot of time. Well, it does take a lot of time. It takes a lot of time, you know, and if we're talking everyday folk, um, I don't think bodybuilding is necessary because I think you can have long, longer longevity by just adding, just maintaining a good workout schedule for, you know, three to four days a week and with with a, some cardio to make sure you have endurance so i'm not advocating for the other problem is is there all, there's also pitfalls in bodybuilding exactly okay the pitfalls in bodybuilding is that you can get feel the allure of peds and which actually happens you know you have a lot of everyday guys and and women that start using them and then you have the opposite you know, you start taking away the longevity, you know, and you see this all the time. I mean, the, the death rate in bodybuilding is, I don't know what the percentage is, but I've seen a documentary on it and it's rather high. There's a surprising number of bodybuilders that have passed in their third or no, I'm sorry, in their forties. So it's not an ideal way to approach bodybuilding because it has the problem of if you go past the natural uh, just eating healthy, um, uh, you know, a good workout schedule, a good, you know, cardio schedule. If you go out outside of that and where you're wanting to get there quicker, then that's when you start going down the wrong road. Yeah. It's kind of like a bell curve having muscle mass. So think about a bell curve on one end, it's down really low as you go, it goes up, 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 up. It eventually peaks. And then it comes back down just the way it came up and ends up really low on the other end of the spectrum. And on one end, you have um, really low muscle mass, and then that's not ideal. Not ideal. Right. And then on the other end, you have really, really high excess levels. That's also not ideal. Um, you want to kind of find yourself somewhere in the middle. You don't want to be the big, massive bodybuilder that you know can't even like reach up and and. Uh, scratches back because he's he's so muscular but you also don't want to be the the twig that's got no muscle mass and the point that we're kind of driving home here is it's about balance yes and the approach that we take with our clients is more of a balanced approach you know we don't follow a strict bodybuilding regimen for any of our clients however we do incorporate certain bodybuilding style um styles of working out into our training programs. Yeah. And we talked about it before we started the show is like, you know, a downside 
to bodybuilding would be, you know, you'd look at the great Ronnie Coleman, who, you know, he is can't even walk anymore. And, you know, one of the strongest, if not the strongest bodybuilders to ever live. I mean, he pushed crazy amounts of weight and joints just couldn't take it. Um, so, you know, there's that's the downside of the bell curve, right? Yeah. And that usually yeah. that usually starts with when you start taking the PEDs and you're really starting to abuse that, you start it's not that you can't stop doing that, but the problem is is once you get on them, it's hard to get off of them. That is true. That is true. You kind of get addicted to that uh that increase in size, increase in strength. Right. Um, you brought up heavy weights and, and heavy lifting and another sort of extreme on the side of, uh, resistance training is powerlifting too. So bodybuilding is all about having the biggest, most aesthetic looking muscles. And we can argue whether, um, a pro bodybuilder, Mr. Olympia type is actually aesthetic anymore. But yeah, it used to be the whole point of bodybuilding was what looked the best. Right. And nowadays you've got kind of freakish looking dudes up there that, you know, I, I would argue maybe, maybe don't look the most ideal, but powerlifting is more about being able to lift the heaviest amount of weight that you possibly can. Right. Um, which <clears throat> also has a lot of allure in that, um, like bodybuilding being the biggest is cool. Lifting the most weight is also kind of cool too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and people, people want that and people desire that. And we do incorporate a little bit of powerlifting in a lot of, uh, strength programs. Powerlifting is three main exercises, the squat, the bench press and the deadlift. Mm-hmm. Those three are part of, if you do a traditional powerlifting and are involved in competing, you will do those three exercises. The clients we train, we do those three exercises. However, we don't stick to only those three exercises and we don't specifically focus on just those three we add in a lot more than that why would somebody want to have a workout program that went much deeper than just those three exercises i'm not sure i understand your question well so if you're a power lifter and let's say mm-hmm. you're only a power lifter mm-hmm. then everything that you're doing in your workouts is to improve your squat your bench and your deadlift okay but see, that's not how we train clients, right? You know, why, why is there other things that are important as well, other than just focusing on those? Cause you can get really strong and you can put on a lot of muscle doing that. And if we're talking about the importance of putting on muscle, why couldn't you just power lift? Well, I think the other thing that's real important is, you know, we, people have everyday, you know, that when they're out and about, they do all kinds of different movements, mm-hmm. right? It's not just deadlift. Now I will say that, you know, if you were to, you know, narrow your workouts down to a particular few workouts, you could, you could argue that a, a uh, squat works out a lot of the body. It does. So you could really make that, that argument. It helps with balance. It helps with core, you know, obviously your legs, your glutes, and, um, he's not doing a ton for your arms, but you know, that you could, you can make a, you know, if you were a squatter, the, uh, the problem with doing squat late in the years is like when you are a runner like me, I have a lot of wear and tear on my, my joints, which is true for any modality, like, or any type of exercise. You do something with high intensity long enough, the joints are going to start to have some wear and tear. 
and my joints definitely have wear and tear. I have arthritis in my left knee um, from thousands of miles of running. And so I feel it when I squat. I don't have a lot of mobility in my left knee. So, but done in a measured way, you know, squat is a good way to train a lot of different muscles. I agree with that completely. I know that's a question that I fielded multiple times. Um, but say we were doing, you know, people may, clients may ask me, why are we not doing more ab workouts? Mm-hmm. And I would say, well, you know, we, <clears throat> maybe it's on a leg day. I say, well, we squatted, didn't we? Yeah. How's that nab workout? I say, you know, I said, well, let, let's say you get up to squatting, you know, 315. You don't think you're going to have to have pretty strong abs to hold 315 on your back and squat it. You know, yeah. that's absolutely the case. You know, I don't think, uh, deadlifting, squatting and benching you, you can make the argument that that's going to work out almost all the muscles that you need almost all the muscles in your body just off those three. Yeah. But, you know, we also think that, like Matt said, there are more movement. You kind of touched on it, but didn't delve deeper mm-hmm. into it. But I want to delve deeper into it. In everyday life, there's lots of uh, movements and things that we need to be able to do that kind of go outside the scope of those three main lifts. Right. And so the three main lifts are, are very important for adding on muscle mass. But we want to be mobile. We want to be flexible. You know, we want to be able to um, move in the way that our bodies need to move in order to function in everyday life. Because taking it back to the beginning, when we talked about resistance training for the purpose of longevity, we want health, we want longevity. Um, you want to be able to be practical in yeah, that. Yeah, that, and yeah. how often in everyday life do you need to do a bench press? I can't think of a, of a nope. time I've ever had to do a, a, a bench press laying down perfectly on a bench with a bar and everything. Um Instead. I will say there's one time, there was maybe one time I actually sat down with a fellow trainer of mine that I, that I train with and he does judo. And, you know, we were talking about how I said, I even asked him point blank. I said, if you're a strong bencher, does that come in play? Like if you're on the mat, like Brazilian jiu-jitsu or, you know, you're trying to push someone off of you, does this come into play where you're trying to get someone off of you or have leverage. And he said, Oh, absolutely. You know, now it's, you don't want to just rely on your strength because it can be used against you. But, you know, obviously technique wins the day with speed, but there are different types of judo that you really rely on power and leverage. And, uh, so that, and, you know, if you're in a conflict, a physical conflict, then bench press might come into play. But outside of that, I can't think of much. Yeah. And it's kind of rare. So, you know, our goal is to uh, prepare people for their everyday lives and what they're going to, what they're going to experience in those everyday lives. And that's kind of an interesting segue because one of the ones I kind of wanted to, to go to next was CrossFit. You know, CrossFit is, it's not as common as it used to be probably about 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. it got really, really popular and and it's still pretty popular, but, um, the whole idea behind CrossFit was kind of that well-rounded, um, little bit of everything, uh, type of workout program. It was kind of designed for that. It's not bodybuilding. It's not powerlifting. You know, it's not 
high intensity cardio. It's, it's kind of everything melded together. And I think it started out, um, that was a very good thought, but I think what it's become is maybe also not the most beneficial for trainees. Right. We'll go into that a little bit because I, I'm not one that's ever had an interest to get into CrossFit. So I, I know what they do. I know how I, I've seen how they train, but what would you consider some of the downsides of high, like the, the, the other side of the bell curve of CrossFit? Yeah. So ask anybody that has done CrossFit before, um, ask them if they've ever gotten injured. Yeah. That's one of my yeah, favorite things. Yeah, that was my first thought. Yeah. Because it seems like everybody gets hurt doing CrossFit. And part of the reason I think is because the movements that they want people to do are highly skill based. Mm-hmm. It requires a great amount of skill and dexterity in order to do these movements. And it's not usually skill that the everyday average individual has. Right. And so you either have to spend a ton of time working on gaining those skills and that dexterity and that ability to do those movements, or you're going to just do them wrong and probably end up getting hurt. But even the people that do them correctly, um, a lot of times end up getting hurt too, because it's kind of, um, you know, it involves lots of extreme, not only the movement patterns. So they do lots of things like power cleans, um, pull-ups, they will add some cardio, you know, some different cardio aspects into it as well. Um, and that's all really good, but I think you need to develop a style of working out that fits better with the average everyday individual instead of just trying to shoehorn, you know, what, not to insult anybody, but most of us are just average athletes. Yeah. Into a workout program that is made for very, very advanced athletes. Exactly. And I, I think that's a, a big issue with it. But I think the concept is good. The concept's good. And I think, it, it, again, it comes down to goals, right? You know, uh, one is how much do you enjoy it? Um, and it's we've talked about balance. You know, the, you know, I think about my own personal life and what I have time for. And I think about the times of my, you know, you can relate it to anything we do in life. You know, if we do something too much, it's taken too many hours away from what our responsibilities are, then it becomes a problem, right? There's something off and we have to keep, keep God first family, you know, uh, and the making sure we provide the means to support our family. That has to be paramount. But when it when you have a, an investment of time that's taken away from that, you know sometimes for a short period to provide the means or to to get some, a, a past a certain point in short uh, periods, that's fine. But if you're missing a period of your kids' lives because you've invested an enormous amount of time into something, then there's something off. I would agree with that completely. Um... That's one of the reasons why, well, I can't say that's the main reason. I don't generally like running anyway. (laughs) I've never, I'm not like you where I used to, I've I've never been a runner. I've kind of always been a resistance training kind of guy. But to me, running was always like, it took forever. Yeah. You know, if you want to go run a few miles, like that's not just a quick 
a quick thing. Um, and these people that like run marathons, like that takes hours. Oh, hours. I know. I know. Well, I mean, think about it. It's all, this is also a time issue. You know, the more time you put towards resistance training is the, the less time you put towards cardio. The more time you put towards cardio, the less time you put towards resistance training. We only have so much time, right? Yeah. So you're always dealing with time. And so you can find that balance you know, to where, Hey, I enjoy cardio more. And we, I definitely know people that enjoy cardio more than they do resistance training. But what I usually find is, is that resist or cardio, if you can get your cardio up, then you can do things. It feels good to have your heart rate high and you can do things for, you know, 30 minutes, high intensity. There is a, almost like an endorphin hit at the end. Where it's like, oh man, that was amazing. And I was like, feel fantastic. And you feel like you feel a sense of accomplishment when you get to the other side of that. A lot of times people don't want to do resistance training because they don't experience the same enjoyment because, and a lot of times that's because either one, they can't let move a lot of weight or they uh, keep getting injured. And so there's not that sense of accomplishment because they, you know, they can't push as much weight as that guy over there. They don't feel like they're getting anywhere. So, you know, you don't have that. Sometimes resistance training is that experience is patience and understanding that um, it's kind of like you got that bucket. And each time you come and do resistance training, that bucket's empty. That day you put a drop of water in there. And then you do that for... A whole year well now you've got like a quarter inch of water in there and you hit some goals you know you do that for three years now you got like two inches of water in there you know like i'm starting to hit some goals well that kind of patience it's not everyone has that so a lot of people want that you instant know gratification. instant gratification and when you've put in a hard workout like high cardio sometimes you walk away it's like yeah i did something you know but they don't have the discipline to feel like they've done something and given it their all for that resistance training because they don't have those little micro, uh, you know, I, let's break it down. If I'm lifting, you know, I do 110, 120, 130 in the dumbbells, I can get through that and I understand what that's doing for me because I pace it right, I do the right amount of reps, and I go to failure. And, but I don't have the soreness I used to, right? I don't walk away. Oh, I did the 130s. Oh, I'm really sore. I'm not because I'm I'm at that stage. But I understand what that's doing for me because like a month later, I've just increased my bench two and a half pounds. Okay, so it's like a delayed gratification, understanding what that's doing for me, versus, hey, I just did you know 100. Let's say I did 50 burpees in a minute, you know. Uh, yeah. And so he's like, ah, that's an immediate, immediate gratification. That brings up a really interesting point <clears throat> because I think what we do see with lots of people is this popularity of um, hip-based training, orange theory type of stuff, which mm -hmm. is, is very cardio-intensive. And, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more later we both really like HIIT training and we think it's a very important piece of, of your workout program. But 
you know, people will want to go to an Orange Theory and get a workout that's all cardio-based for 45 minutes, and they get really sweaty, and they feel really tired at the end, and so they think that's <clears throat> what makes a good workout. Yeah. And then they get done. Oh, man, I, I did I had a really good workout for the day because I'm really sweaty. And then they come back, they do it the next day. Oh, I got a really good workout. I'm really sweaty. I'm really happy. Pat myself on the back. Mm-hmm. And then they just start doing that, you know three or four times a week and they just keep doing it and keep doing it and they see no changes over yes. in the long period of time. That That's a great point. They, they feel the instant gratification, but then over a period of a month, what's changed? Cause they ain't, they're not adding any muscle. Exactly. Right. So, you know, do the same thing with resistance training into that month, you see gains. Yeah. You're a little bit stronger. You're doing a little more reps. And all you're doing with resistance training is, for the most part, at best, you're maintaining the muscle mass. At best. Most likely, you're losing muscle mass. With, with uh, cardio. Yes. High-intensity yeah. high hit. Yeah. And it's a really good. Um, you know, Matt talked about uh, being in cardio shape and mm-hmm. how good that feels. And, and that's very important, too. But um, it's more supplemental, not the only thing. Exactly. Um, how you feel, how sweaty you are after your workout has little to do with how effective the workout was. The workout can still be very effective if you're not sweaty, very effective if you're sweaty too, but, um, I wouldn't, and the same thing goes with soreness. Um, people will say the same thing. They, they want to be really sore after their workout because it makes them know that they did something. Right. I hear that a lot. Right. You know, well, how, uh, I'm, I was super sore after the workout on Monday and you know, that's really good because I know that I did something. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, soreness is more about, um, your body doing something that it's not used to. Exactly. So I could walk into the gym today and if my goal was to be the most sore as possible, I could do that. I could just put myself through a very intense workout of a bunch of crazy stuff that I haven't done before because my body's going to be sore because it hasn't done that and hasn't worked out in that way. However, if you're sore, it means if you're really sore generally means you're doing something a little different than you did before or than you've done regularly. And if you're doing different stuff just to get soreness, you're not in enough of a routine to see progress. Right. Because it's consistency that delivers progress and it's constant change that delivers that extreme soreness. Right. And I do think it's good every once in a while, right? I do think it's good for a uh, client to experience that really intense, really different workout, just kind of change it up and to keep things interesting because you want to keep yourself committed and interested, but you can't deviate too much from the path that you're on. Well, there's, okay. So for me and you, we follow, you know, depending what our goals are at that time, our accessory movements to something we want to accomplish are going to be rather boring, right? We're going to do yeah. the same thing. And I have no problem doing that because I understand the outcome, right? I understand what's necessary for me to increase. I've done this long enough now that I understand uh, doing JM presses for an, a six months. I know what that's going to do for me because I've seen the result. Mm-hmm. So I have the patience for it. And I don't need a different modality for my triceps. I obviously I hit my triceps at different a- angles, but I always would make the JM press my 
primary, one of my staples, let's put it that way, not primary, but one of my staples to what I do because it gave me a great benefit to my bench. Yeah. Okay. So I make sure I try to hit the medial, the long head, um, and the lateral head of the tricep, you know, also, because I want to hit all of those, but the JM press gave me great benefit and I experienced it firsthand. So it becomes a staple to what I do because that's currently what I'm working on. But when it comes to our clients, um, depending on their makeup, their personalities, um, some like a very, you know, going all the time, their personality is high energy and, but they get bored easy. Okay. So there's an entertainment value to, and I, I hate to call it entertainment value, but it, it's, it's one of those things where they like trying new things, different modalities, right? And when you do different modalities, what happens? You get soreness. Like if I'm having them do like a, um, Nordic hamstring, They've never done that before, you know, and I make them do five sets of that with 10, four second drops. Suddenly they wake up the next day going, Oh my gosh, my, my, try my hamstrings are killing me. And then you know what they say? I want to do those again because they made me really sore. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, if you keep doing them over and over, eventually you won't be that That's sore. That's right. That's right. That's the point, you know, and, or that crazy adductor or adductor exercise I came up with on the, on the row machine. You know, the first week I brought that in, I had so many people coming up and bitching, you know, that like, I can't even press on the gas pedal type stuff. And then, but after I, then I saw several of our clients do that on their own, like on Saturdays, they started incorporating that, don't have the soreness anymore. So then I upped it like recently where I put a band on the seat. Now they had to squeeze. It wasn't just their body weight. And that upped the level, so they had a little bit more soreness, but not like before. So suddenly the soreness starts going away. Why? Because they're doing it over and over and over, because it's a different modality that they're starting to incorporate. So you're, that's a, um, an example of what you're talking about, to where you do something you don't do often, you're going to have soreness. But if you do it often, that soreness starts to dissipate. Yeah, I wanted to bring up a point on the entertainment value you talked about. Yeah. Because <clears throat> here's the concept. Entertainment is not the goal. Right. But our goal is to – our goal when we're coaching clients, part of it is they need to keep working out. They need to keep being consistent, showing up every day or, or three days a week and completing their workouts and staying active. And – there are a certain amount of people that in the absence of that entertainment value will no longer participate. That's correct. And if you're no longer participating, then you're losing that aspect of your health. And so it is healthier to, maybe it's not the most ideal way to do it, but if it's going to keep you doing it, then keep doing it. Right. It's kind of like dieting. I'm never going to tell somebody that it's good for them to have a cheat meal but if a cheat meal is what keeps you on track the rest of the time, then yes, cheat meals are very important to have. Yes. That's a very good point because I'll be honest, I have a cheat meal because I know my personality. Yeah. And my cheat is usually on Sunday mornings. <laughs> it's the only day of the week that I eat breads. Um, but I like, you know, so it, part of it is, is understand if it helps you be successful, then go right ahead. 
you know, because it's going to yeah. help you stay on track. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit about HIT training earlier, but then we kind of glossed over it. So I want to dive into a little bit more of the cardio stuff now. Um, the common cardio that we see, you can kind of uh, <laughs> break them up into two main categories. One would be a HIT style training, and we do we say HIT style. What that stands for is HIIT, high intensity, high intensity interval training. And what you're basically doing there is you're going extremely intense, extremely hard on a cardio based exercise for a certain period of time, sometimes 30 seconds, a minute, somewhere in there. And then you're taking a rest time where you're, where you're not doing anything, um, for another 30 seconds or a minute, and then you're going again. So you have intervals. I go really hard for a minute. I rest for a minute. I go really hard for a minute. I go rest for a minute on and on and on for your whole workout. Mm -hmm. The other type is more of a steady state type where you are say running, like you were talking about earlier, where you just, you start running and you just run for a few miles and you don't stop. And it's the same intensity the entire time. Um, talk a little bit about the difference between those two and the, the benefits and drawbacks between those. Well, the thing about hit training, you're usually getting your heart rate really high. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I remember, um, I'd get it up to 160 beats a minute and being over 50, that's high. Yeah. Yeah. That's high. Now I got to where, and that's when I first came on with Ryan and, and, um, but I'd get my heart rate up to 160 bits, bits of beats a minute. And I remember going outside and being like, holy crap, I'm going to die. <laughs> um, but then my body adjusted and I was able to do it. No problem. You know, I got really fit. I mean, I was down to like 175 and I, I, the, the drawback to that was all my lifting, all the weights went down. My, my bench, my overhead press, my curling. I got weaker when I went, I did, we, it was basically when we did that challenge. You know, that was, I remember that effect. Oh, the dreaded MEEP challenge. Yeah, the MEEP challenge, which was crazy. I mean, I, I remember the intensity that everyone got into that on, except everyone on my team. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, and, you know, you just oppose that to, you said resistance training? No, uh, HIT training versus steady state Steady, steady training. I don't think um, you can get to, it kind of depends, right? So if you're doing like a, a steady state of walking or a steady state of jogging, um, I think that's a nice balance to resistance training, right? If you're talking about uh, high intensity running, like you're starting getting down to 630, six minute miles, that's different, right? You're talking at heart rates, steady, high for a longer period of time. But even that, I don't think you're, because I've gotten to the point where I'm running six minute miles and I don't have any problem doing that. And it was not, hit was still more difficult, I felt. Uh, because you're, mm. you know, you're getting that heart rate really, really high. Um, and then you only get like 15 to 30 seconds to get to the next station. And then boom, it's high again. So um, when I'm doing steady state, I have found that I can, when I was at my best, I could run six minute miles for, you know, five, six miles. And um, I stayed lean, but, you know, I felt like 
and I, and I think that, I mean, running is one of those things that where depending on your intensity, you probably with some effort and the style of competition you're going against, you can get to where you're, uh, having the same impact on muscle, same impact or same level as hit, but hit, I think is more consistent as far as how, how it hits you. I think it's, it's very rigid, 45 seconds off, 20 seconds off, or 30 on, 30 off. It's very consistent, boom, 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 boom. Running, you can play with your intensity. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think when it comes to HIT training, you talked earlier about time and how mm-hmm. important the time investment is. And I think that's one of the things that is a benefit to HIT training is it's almost like a, a more bang for your buck. Correct. Where you end up with a better overall cardio workout from a lesser time investment. Yeah. If you want to go do something steady state, um, that's a moderate to low intensity for a long period of time, you know, you're talking about at least, at least 30, if not 45 minutes to an hour, um, to get a really solid workout from that. Whereas on hit training, if you're going really, really high intensity, like a 30 seconds on 30 seconds off, I mean, half an hour. Oh, you're and toast. You're toast. Yeah, uh, we used to do 45 minutes. Yeah, when we were at Shred. So um, when we switched over from Shred to 100, I remember that um, we were doing 45s. And I remember Savage Saturdays, which were high intensity, and then we started doing some of the morning stuff when we switched over, and a lot. Uh, Ryan or a few of the folk were just doing um, 30 minutes, right? So when I came over, I when I was training, I was doing 45 minutes. And everyone's, oh, my gosh, this is so difficult because they hadn't done it in a while. They weren't accustomed to the, the 40, 45-minute, you know, cardios. Yeah, training. I think, you know, hit training about 30 minutes is probably all you want to go. And, and I would say that if you're finding that you need to go, to 45 minutes or go longer, you're probably not going intense enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things like you cannot do steady state cardio at a high intensity for a long period of time. It's impossible. No. You yeah. can't like sprint for an hour. <laughs> no, that, that's not humanly possible. This is what you're doing in hit. You know, you get on yeah. the, uh, one of the, um, treadmills or the, one of the salt runners you you run and you're supposed to be running as, as very, very high pace. And so I would want somebody to try to actually do that, actually go 100% all out with whatever they're doing, whether it's a, a sprint or a bike or, um, anything like that, go a hundred percent all out for that allotted amount of time. And I mean, you may be gassed in 15 minutes, Yeah, honestly, and, and get a really, really good uh, cardio workout. So that's where I think that comes into play is it's a little bit more bang for your buck. It's more efficient. Um, it, it doesn't take as long to get a really good cardio workout in going with that intensity like that. Then I think it also prepares you for, um, that quick burst of energy that you need sometimes. So, and not that either of these situations are likely to take place in real life, but what's more likely to have to happen, you to have to sprint for 30 seconds or you have to run at a moderate pace for an hour moderate pace you oh 30 seconds 30 seconds yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Say, you no, know I'm, something's going on and you got to run really quick to escape from i get something. what you're saying it's, yeah. it's a lot more likely than yeah hey you need to go like run at a moderate rate for an hour so 
I just think it's more practical to everyday life as well for me to practice that ability when I need it. I can kind of get that intensity um, and it's there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what I was talking about earlier where a hit circuit, you know, I remember sometimes I'd get there and this is true for everyone. You get there, you do a 30 minute, 45 minute hit circuit. And then you're like really awake. You're like, you know, I remember getting done with that and I'm like, wow. And like, that's like a, you know, you're doing that four or five in the morning or five, six in the morning. You're like, your day has started. And I think people like that feeling when they, they get done. But again, it comes to that, that cost benefit investment, right? Uh, that's why we think it's important to have that balance to where you're not just doing hit. So, um, uh, you know, and, and, and we're talking about that time investment where versus where you're talking about, you know, running for, cause when I, when I go running, you know, I'd be, I could be running for, you know, five to seven miles is usually what I ran. So you're talking, if you're not running eight minute pace, you're out there 45 minutes, no problem. And you don't burn near the amount of calories. Uh, that you did when you were doing a hit circuit. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about structuring workouts now. So we know both are important. Uh, Matt and I lean more towards resistance training as being <clears throat> important versus cardio training. They're, they're both important. It obviously depends on your goal. Um, if your goal is more putting on muscle mass um, and strength, you're going to want to do a little bit more of that. If your goal is to um, be in really, really good cardiovascular shape, you may want to do more of that. But but let's say someone that's trying to find a good balance, you know, what's the best way to incorporate both into a workout and optimize um, your results on both? Well, there's a lot of debate about this. Um, you know, a lot of that has to do with your nutrition. So... You know, if you're really, and I, we can get into like how your nutrition is being managed, but basically if you're going to both work out right, resistance training and then immediately following that, um, go and do your cardio for 30 minutes. Well, when you drink your, uh, shake at the end of that, what's it mostly going to go towards your cardio? Okay. So you also have to think about recovery, right? So, um, I'm a fan just, uh, for everyday people doing, you know, resistive training on one day and cardio on another. That's what I would prefer. Now there's some people, I'm not saying that's the optimal way to do it. I'm just saying most, I, because I talk to my trainees every day and I almost every single day I'm asking what they're eating. That's what I'd prefer them to do. Cause I know they're not eating enough to, to do both. Right. I just talked to someone this morning, you know, talked about how his bench hasn't changed in a year. And I said, well, what's the average amount of protein you're eating? And said hundred grams. And this is a man. And I thought, well, there's your problem. Okay. This person also does a lot of cardio. So again, if you're not, if you're doing resistance training and cardio on the same day, and you're only eating hundred grams, you're in a, um, a muscle loss situation, 
Well, you're burning off everything that your body would need to build that muscle. Right. So you're taking in the protein, you're taking in the calories, that's your body's building block, so to speak, to build that muscle. And then you go burn it all off. Yeah. So if you are in a building phase, you have to understand that you have to allow your body to build, which means you have to have, you know, uh, energy cannot be created or destroyed, right? That's a, that's a Newton's law, Mm -hmm. right? That's a, that's a law of nature. And so when you eat food, you get calories, you get protein in, that is the matter and the energy that your body's going to use. It's going to put it somewhere. And if you burn it off, then it goes away. If you burn off less than what you ingest, there's more left over there. And if you're lifting weights and breaking down your muscle mass, your body will take that leftover energy and put it towards building muscle. Correct. And let's say he was getting hit the protein and he should be getting in and in the getting the, uh, the fats and carbs in, he needs to fuel these exercises, uh, for an hour and a half, then I don't have a problem with it. You know, if he wants, if he wants to put in 90 minutes, maybe even close to an hour, 45, two hours, nutrition has to support that. And if he drinks a big shake at the end of that, you're going to, you could essentially, I guess, in theory, have, uh, have some uh, benefit to the, the resistance training as well. But I think it comes down to nutrition to be, you know, I, I'm a fan, in general, a fan of doing them on opposite days. But again, it's kind of a, uh, a one-by-one case. It depends on the person. A, a time thing, too. I went through a phase for a while where I did do both extensively on the same day, mm-hmm. every day, actually. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like you were talking about where I was lifting for an hour to an hour and a half. And then I was doing 45 minutes of moderate intensity, steady state cardio after, immediately afterwards. Right. Every day. So yeah. I was spending two plus hours every day in the gym, like six days a week. I'd maybe take one day yeah. off. Um, but yeah, the amount of food that I had to eat just to continue to grow when I was doing that, because I still got stronger doing that, mm-hmm. but I was having to eat all the time. Right. And my carbohydrate intake had to be pretty high to refuel from all of that um, lost energy from so much cardio. Right. And for you, that's a perfect scenario because your nutrition is there. It's what it has to be for you to, to do that. Yeah. You know, now... Again, it goes back to, I think it goes back to nutrition on, and the ability to, to go hour and a half, two hours. Because I was doing the same thing. I'd work out for an hour and a half, then I go do, you know, usually around 30 minutes of stair steps. Um, and I had to eat a lot. Well, let's think about this. Um, this is kind of an analogy to use. If you're about to embark on a, on a thousand mile journey and you leave and you never stop for gas, what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to run out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's kind of the same concept. Right. Um, if you're going to use your body a lot and burn a lot of fuel using your body for working out, you're going to have to fuel it. Right. And if not, it's going to start conserving energy. And that's one of the things the body can do that, say, a vehicle wouldn't be able to do is if you're burning off tons and tons and tons of energy and you're not getting it in 
eating enough food for that, your body's going to start going into conservation mode because it's going to think resources are scarce. Right. We're having to expel a ton of energy, but we're not getting much in. We need to try to conserve as much as we can for a rainy day for, for if we all of a sudden food gets cut off completely. And what does the body do in that situation? It will expel muscle mass because it takes energy to uh, sustain muscle mass. Mm -hmm. So people know that your... Um, the rate of calories you burn, your basal metabolic rate goes up the higher your muscle mass goes. So you will just burn more calories existing, more energy existing if you have high muscle mass. So if your body is in conservation mode from not getting enough calories and nutrients in, it says well, we're going to have to drop our basal metabolic rate. We want to drop how many calories it takes to live because we're afraid that we're going to need to in order to survive. Right. So it starts burning off muscle mass in order to try to put itself in survival mode. And then it burns off muscle mass and tries to store as much fat as it can because fat stores are energy reserves. Right. And if you have to go without food for an extended period of time, your body knows that it can it can uh, use that body fat that it's got stored on there to give yourself energy and survive. Your body doesn't know if you're doing this to it on purpose or if you're doing this to it by necessity. Right. So if you're starving yourself... Your body doesn't know that there's plenty of food around you. You're just choosing not to eat it. Your body thinks, like, maybe there's no food, actually. And so it does these things on purpose to try to protect you and, and keep you survive because your body's ultimate purpose is to survive. Right. Right. Your body doesn't think, well, I'd rather keep my muscle mass and then die if I need to. You know, what's the point? Your, right. your body wants to survive. So you kind of have to not, like, trick your body, but show your body that, that's not an issue that the food is the food is not scarce in order for it to understand oh food's not scarce it's okay if we don't store a lot of body fat because we got plenty of food if you're if you're ingesting it often right it's it's kind of like a manipulation of your body a little bit right but people don't think about it that way no i they don't and and you know the thing about resistance training and cardio is once you understand um, that relationship and not only that, but how everything, how, what you do outside those, um, you know, resistance and cardio, what you do outside of that in your everyday life, your sleep schedule, what you put in your body, then, you, you know, then you sit on how those relate to each other and how they affect your exercising, then you can control what you do with your body. And that's, I think that's the biggest misconception when people come in is they don't understand that relationship. Uh, they don't understand that how important sleep is. You know, I know I've trained people that get very little sleep. I know the one of the biggest problem is I train a lot of people that don't eat enough protein for whatever reason that is. And then, or they drink too much um, or, you know, whatever it is, Understanding the relationship of what alcohol does to you, what lack of sleep does to you, what lack of protein does to you, not eating enough um, carbs or fats, what, you know, making sure you have the fuel, you know, you ate, you like, we just had Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is fasting and no meat. Okay. So when I came in on Thursday, I felt weak. I was like shaking by uh, Wednesday night. I was sh literally shaking. I was like, because I'm eating, I'm, I'm trying to get up to 4,000 calories a day. 
So when I went from uh, over 3,000 down to 1,200, I'm like, I am in, <laughs> feeling it, you know? And then, so I didn't work out too hard on Thursday because I understand what I just put my body through. So understanding those relationships is important for you to have a strategy to accomplish what you want to accomplish. If it's cutting fat or adding muscle mass or, uh, having the energy to feel yourself through an exercise. It's formulaic really. Yeah. And I think that's something people lose track of is you take your goal. I mean, think about a formula. It's like this plus this times this minus this, and then equals something. The equals is your goal, right? So put your goal there in the equals and then think, what are all the things that I have to have in this equation in order to equal my goal? And that's where the nutrition comes in. The calories come in. Maybe your goal is to, you want to be able to continue to do that level of cardio and work out every day, but still put on muscle mass. By definition, there has to be a certain amount of fuel going in in order to do right. that. <clears throat> I wanted to touch upon the, that, um, aspect I touched on earlier where people want to feel success at something to enjoy it. And that's why a lot of people feel success with um, either steady start car steady state cardio or hit circuits, is that there's that uh, there's immediate gratification. And I know people that um, they they lean towards that that that's you know that hit circuits style of exercise, but then over time they start you know messing with the resistance training stuff and they and you start training them on form and so they start slowly incorporating that and now they're starting to get that um, enjoyment out of resistance training because they start to understand it if you don't understand something like you know how to perform it how to have the nutrition for it then you are afraid of it basically you're like ah, i don't know what it's doing for me well, setting a PR is very gratifying too. Yes. But like you said, it's, it's challenging to get to that point. Getting to where you're sweaty is not that challenging. doesn't take much skill, but you know, setting a PR, getting stronger. And if you're structuring your programs correctly, and if you're using good form, you know, you can, you can set PRs pretty consistently. Mm -hmm. You know, you may not be setting one rep maxes, mm -hmm. but you do a, a weight for more reps than you've ever done it before. Um, and you do lots of different exercises. You, you can pretty consistently set PRs and, and get those gratifications and, and check those boxes along the way. It doesn't have to be just through doing some one rep max that you've never right. done before. Absolutely. And that can help the process. And that's one of the things it's, it's, uh, formulaic in that nature, but, but it's also very fluid in that when we train clients, the approach I always take, and this is one of the reasons why I struggle with a very rigid workout program, right? When I train myself, I don't know what my workout's going to be when I walk into the gym. I don't know if you're that way or not, but I never know what I'm going to do. I don't go in with a plan. Now I know that I have the knowledge 
and the experience and the expertise to go in without a plan and still be successful. Mm -hmm. If somebody was brand new to the gym working out by themselves, I would never recommend them going in without a plan. Mm -hmm. They need a plan to follow until they develop that expertise. But when I am training clients, I use a very similar approach. I know that I've got the expertise in my brain. I know I'm, I'm ready for whatever's thrown at me. And so instead of being very rigid and having this pre-planned workout and saying, you know what, no matter what you're doing this workout today, I try to take it from a more fluid approach and, and, and think to myself, what does this client need today? Because you talked about gratification. Sometimes people just need a win. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes they don't need to get their butt kicked. They just need a small win. Sometimes they do need to get their butt kicked. And sometimes you don't know day to day what that's going to be until you're there talking to them. And, that's, and you, a, you know, them. that's, that's a really important point. That's really important because I don't know how many times, um, you know, we keep tabs on our trainee psychology, you know, what's going on with them. You know, uh, are they losing? I, I can't tell you how many times this has happened, but I have something set up for someone. They're coming in. I know what I'm going to put them through. And um, they are in it. And if there's some time that's that, let's say it's been two or three weeks and you can tell the energy levels down or um, they have they've, they've just been kind of dry or flat or not, you know, just kind of going through the motions. Right. Um, and I've incorporated this a few times. I'll be like, you know what? I think it's time for a max, you know, or, um, give them something that, um, gets them going. Right. I mean, I, even a drop set has done that for me where they, you know, I finish them off with a drop set and they're like, they got really pumped up about it because it fits their personality. Not everyone that works for, but, you know, so I've had clients where I've like, changed what I'm going to do based on where their head's at. And yeah. it got them reinvested into what they're doing, how important this is. And that's important that you adjust sometimes based on where they're, they're mentally at. Yeah. And that takes experience and that takes expertise. Um, but that's something I do for myself. And that's something that once you're at a certain level, you can kind of do that and you start to understand more about what you need in a specific day um, because when I used to be much more rigid I found it a lot less efficient because even if I knew that it wasn't good for me to do this thing that day I would still do it mm. or if maybe I felt like I could do something more or something greater but my plan said to do this then I would just do that. And I found ultimately that being less efficient than just knowing what your body needs. Well, could you expand on a little bit? Like if you, if you locked into a rigid day yeah, and um, you obviously have planned that out for a very particular purpose uh, for a very concrete goals. And then, um, when you say I, I knew that that day I need to do something else. Are you referring to, Hey, I have an, an injury. So this exercise won't be advantageous for me, or I've discovered I have a weakness somewhere that I need to add a different modality. 
for that weakness. Expand on that a little bit. Well, let's say that it was a plan for me to go in and max out a certain lift. And I'm going in that day, and I'm just not feeling it. Yeah. Right? Now, there, there is a certain thing to be said that's, well, you know, you push through it. But I can tell this ain't the day. <laughs> right. Or this ain't the day for what I'd heard. Or this was supposed to be just a killer smash workout, and today's just not the day. I didn't sleep well. I didn't whatever. Yeah. Maybe... I call an audible and I do something a little bit different Mm -hmm. and I hit that smash workout the next day, you know, um, because I have, I used to be the type of guy that said, yeah, I have some killer smash workout planned. I'm doing it and I'm sticking to it. And I do that day after day and maybe I get like run down. Mm -hmm. And instead of listening to my body and saying, I'm getting run down, maybe I need to take some time off. Instead of doing that, I'm just like, I'm pushing through because this is what's planned and I run myself into the ground. You know, that's something that has happened to me multiple times. Well, I think the way um, our business model that we both trained for a couple of years has built into it, we don't have to worry about that because we're already adapting. Uh, or should, That's not the exact word. We're already giving them variety of modalities that... And I also think about intensities, too. Um, I kind of move, you know, there's a a few reasons I do this, but um, and it it tends to work. When I'm setting up for for groups to come in, let's say it's, you know, legs and shoulders, and I'll come up with a routine that I will use for the majority of the people – with some nuanced changes, depending on, you know, maybe they got either uh, uh, an injury or um, they're not um, physically capable to do that, or they have a particular um, muscle group, they need to be hitting more than what I designed. But I can usually design, you know, throw this, that exercise in or and push another one out to adjust it, right? And that, that particular workout will either be a high intensity, a lot of cardio that week. And so everyone gets a lot of cardio this week with their uh, legs and shoulders. And then the next week, it'll be a lot more, um, you know, isolation or, you know, lower rep, you know, um, heavier weight than the next week. So I kind of vary that up, one, for variety, but it's... you're. Very few times where people, are, in fact, I can't think of it. I have never had someone come up to me in that model and say, man, I'm tired of doing this this routine. It doesn't happen. Well, I think it boils down to it's all about balance. Yeah. That's, that's really as simple as it gets, guys. It's all about balance. You know, you want resistance training. You want cardiovascular training. You want consistency in your workout so that you can move forward um, and progress in a very controlled direction but you also want enough variety that it keeps it interesting and doesn't get mundane Um, it's all balance and the extremes are where you what you have to worry about right we kind of touched on that with the bell curve analogy right you know you don't want to be in either extreme either way the balance is kind of see the people at the tail ends are the people that get recognized. 
right? Mm-hmm. You talked about Ronnie Coleman earlier. Mm-hmm. The dude was on the extreme end of having a lot of muscle mass, being a bodybuilder. And he gets recognition for that. You know, if you're just have a very um, average or moderately above average amount of muscle, do you get recognized? No. <laughs> no. You know, so it's not going to get you a lot of notoriety or fame to to be in that balance. But right. when we're talking about health and longevity, it's really what's most important. Right. I think that's what everyone needs to keep in mind is that's that should be the goal. It should be. Um, can I give you a quick story? Yes. Okay. So, uh, and I've, I've mentioned this, I think I've talked about this guy before, but it kind of plays right into what you're talking about. So I have a very dear friend of mine, uh, his name's Dan. He's a coach at Iowa state and I know I've brought him up in the past, but he had a powerful influence on me on that mindset that you're talking about. And that is he had a the opportunity because of his this natural gifts that if he would have done PEDs, he'd been an easily, in my opinion, a world-class athlete, like Olympic, probably a medal athlete without a doubt. Um, you know, he went to the Japan Olympics because he was projected as a future Olympian, but then found out that after going to Japan Olympics, that PEDs were going to be necessary to compete because that's what everyone else was doing, was to compete at that level. And what do you get when you do that? Gold medals, recognition, money, you know. And he made that decision for his health that he would not do that. Well, that took, think about what that took, the fortitude that took for him not to choose PEDs and to have that lifestyle, to have that recognition, to be the best in the world. That is a special person. But does he get the recognition for that? No, he doesn't. He made a choice that I will forever respect that very few people will make in his position. That is true. There's a level of humility there that is hard. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is hard. And, you know, and I, I, I've, one of these days, I'll, you know, I haven't, I talk to him every once in a while now, you know, he's has his life and I have mine, but we do communicate and, uh, I'll probably have to ask him that one time. Um, I remember, I remember when we, gosh, we were, you know, 20 somethings, you know, when we were in college, we were roommates. He was, well, you know, he was my, one of my groomsmen, but, he made a very uh, honorable decision that is only uh, that the world doesn't recognize. So, you know, that is, I, you know, you, you make a decision like that for your health and realize what you could have had, you know, but he would have, you know, the sacrifice that you would have on your body for that. And is it really earned? You know, that's the other question you have to ask. That's the bottom line when you're using, uh, PEDs, is it really earned? You know, it's, it's, it's a question. Obviously you have to still have to have the genetics. You still have to have the skill, but you, there's a reason that, you know, they're called AIDS and, you know, there's a, there, that's another question. Yeah, absolutely. 
good note to end, end on there, I think. So um, this was a good podcast. We talked about lots of different things, talking about the the balance that ultimately um, everyone needs to strike and everyone everyone's kind of got a different balance that they need to find and, and you know, start with your goal in mind and then kind of go from there on, on what everything needs to look like in order to hit that goal and make sure that health and longevity stays at the forefront because – you know, temporarily you can get sucked in by maybe a, a goal that differs from that. But I think in the long run, the goal that we're all really going for is to live healthy and to live longer. Amen. All right, guys. Well, we thank you so much for listening and we will be back here next week with some more great content. All right. See you guys. Hey, look at you. You've completed another milestone by finishing this episode of loading the bar. Your future self. Thanks you profusely. Loading the Bar is podcasted from Kansas City, Missouri. Email us at cpt.kansascity at gmail.com. Forge ahead and share your progress. And we'll see you back here for another episode of Loading the Bar.